to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're here for a very special episode today. Very special. Number 200. 200 episodes. 200 times we have sat here and discussed films. Yes. Shit films. Great films. Near films. Yeah. The masterpieces, trash pieces, and basics of genre cinema. <laughs> yes, that is very, With very Some true. film festivals thrown in We discuss a lot on this podcast. We talk some shit. We have, we have. Um, and people still listen to us, so that's great. Yes, um, thank you very much. I know we say this every single time we hit a milestone, but I genuinely mean it every time I say it. And thank you for listening to us chat shit. Yes, thank you very much. Very much appreciated. It's nice... Know that we're not talking to dead air. Yes. Although I, I think we probably would continue even if uh, <laughs> no well, one was listening. You know, we reach one person that enjoys it. That's what we I like. Think. We like to give our opinions. <laughs> yeah, we, we like to talk. We like to talk. Um, we're also introducing a new format today. So with episode two hundred, we thought we'd bring in some changes, uh, including the third podcast member, a new microphone. Yes, yes. We uh, are going posh on this, not just uh, Gary's phone anymore. Well, I mean, everyone should be impressed that up until now, this great quality has been on my mobile phone. Um, but this is even better. Uh, yeah, we've gone legit now. We have we have gone legit. We've, we've shown our tits and gone yeah, legit. Absolutely. Um, but episode 200, a new format. We will explain which section is which for this first episode. And then after that, you, you can get a picture. I mean, it's self-explanatory. Um, but yes, we are here today to discuss one of our favourite films uh, by one of our favourite filmmakers. Uh, a film that featured on our first logo. Uh, a film that just... I'd say it means a lot to both of us, really. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are, of course, discussing the ultimate cult film trash made into masterpiece uh, we're here discussing pink flamingos from 1972 written and directed by john waters who you will know from previous podcast episodes serial mum hairspray polyester um he's, he's made some absolute classics uh, this is made on a budget of twelve thousand dollars and it made seven million dollars at the box office yes so pink flamingos Pink Flamingos, the ultimate midnight movie, yeah. in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, the ultimate queer cinema classic. Yeah. Um, it's hard to describe just what this film has kind of meant to me. Yeah. I'm not, it's not an acceptance speech, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, delving deep into... Underground psyche. cinema, oh, okay. court cinema, low-budget shit that I love and adore. This really was the one. This was it. When I watched it, I thought, oh my god, I am horrified. And I am so intrigued and excited. Yeah. <laughs> Not sexually, but excited to really get to grips with this kind of film. I love it. I was so entertained, you know, and it's my kind of film. Is it for everyone? 
Absolutely fucking not. No. I wouldn't put it on, you know, with my mum. <laughs> you know, a little family gathering. I wouldn't put it on. But in terms of my taste level, this is, you know, it's up there. Yeah. It really is. Absolutely. And uh, it's got that classic John Waters satirical touch to it where if you weren't aware of what John Waters does or his type of filmmaking or his humour, uh, going into this, especially from a 2022 uh, perspective, you would think he's trying to be the most offensive, edgy filmmaker out there. Um, but when you're familiar with his films, it really helps and it's what makes it work. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. And I think sometimes it gets bunched together with films that are deliberately provocative without any real cause or meaning. Yeah. Whereas this film is very provocative. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But there's a message behind it. And it's uh, something that I love, a sort of subversion of Americana and yeah. American culture. You know, from a personal perspective, I watched Blue Velvet. You know, I thought it was the greatest film ever because I loved that subversion of that American ideal. Yeah. And this is very much in keeping with that. And I love American cinema that does that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's also... The influences behind this film are interesting, which we will mention a little later on. Mm. Um, but just as a little uh, tidbit now, you know, the whole thing kind of feels like if Herschel Gordon-Lewis collaborated with uh, Douglas Sirk. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's incredible. Oh, that, that's incredible. And the film itself, Pink Flamingos, has been influential itself in many ways across pop culture. You know, maybe not specific. I mean, some films over time, but not specifically just on films. Um, but even, you know, this launched Divine as, as a massive drag persona. Mm -hmm. Even if Divine didn't look at himself as a drag queen, um, still made a massive impact. And, you know, you can still see that to this day. But there's never been a film made like this to this no, very day. No. There's nothing else like this. No, no. Um Yeah, I'm glad you discussed Douglas Sirk there because I forgot just <laughs> the idea of the melodrama. Yeah. You know So melodramatic. So melodramatic. So camp. You know. Um Let's get into it yeah. and discuss yeah. the film even further than we just have. Well, first of all, we have a new section called Hey, I know you. Not sure if that's how I want to say it, but that's what it's called. Hey, I know you. Um, we might record that as a soundbite and include that every week. Um, <laughs> well, this stems from the um, from me mainly, but you have also yeah, been uh, yeah. uh, guilty of it, of discussing an actor or a director involved in a film, and you know, sitting here recording and having to go on IMDb to see what else they've been in because I haven't done my research. So now, episode 200. We're prepared. We're prepared. <laughs> We're taking it more seriously and I'm going to know exactly where I know them from. Don't worry. I'm sure we'll still be messy bitches at some point. There's going to be a couple of them. For anyone who listens <laughs> specifically <laughs> for that. 
Um, so first of all, we have Divine, who you may know from Female Trouble, Polyester, Hairspray, Lust in the Dust, Mondo Trash. Oh, did I put Mondo Trash down? Why did I put Mondo Trash down? It's Mondo Trash Show. Oh. See, there we go. Already a messy bitch. Multiple Maniacs, Out of the Dark, and Trouble in Mind. Of course, Divine had a music career as well, and as I mentioned previously, drag icon. Yeah, cultural icon. Uh, worked mainly with John Waters, with a lot of the cast did. Some of them only worked with John Waters uh, before and after Pink Flamingos. Um, we watched Lust in the Dust. Yeah. Um, fantastic. You know, mm -hmm. Divine is wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like I'm going to spend the whole of this episode telling you how wonderful yes, Divine is absolutely. now, which I, I love him. Uh, Mink Stoll, who is in every John Waters film that he's made. Yeah. Uh, All About Evil, Lost Highway, uh, the Eaten Out series of films. Yeah. Shriek, if you know what I did last Friday the 13th. <laughs> Now, have you seen Shriek, if you know what I <laughs> did last Friday I've seen the 13th? That. I watched that before Scary Movie, because um, Kelly Kapowski mm -hmm. from Saved by the Bell was in it, and I loved Saved by the Bell when I was younger. I still do. Um, yeah, that's a weird one, isn't it? It's a very random one. Uh, she's had a lot of random roles. Also, uh, I'm a Cheerleader, Leather Jacket Love Story, and lots more. Uh, she's had a, a prolific leather jacket career story. That great poster on IMDb. Yeah. We need to watch that. Uh, I love Mink Stoll. Mink Stoll is great. Mink Stoll is fantastic in everything that she does. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Edith Massey, who you may remember from Multiple Maniacs, Female Trouble, Desperate Living, Polyester, and Mutants in Paradise. Right. Typecast. Um... But I think she absolutely embraced that. <laughs> Literally discovered whilst working in a bar. Yeah. Just like, do you want to be in this film? Yeah, let's uh -huh. go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Again, I love Edith Massey. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got stuff to say about Edith Massey. Too. <laughs> David, uh, David Lockery, who was in Mondo Trasho, Multiple Maniacs and Female Trouble. And Mary Vivian Pierce, who was only in every John Waters film. Yeah, both, um, I think David Lockery died far too young, mm. as did Divine, actually. Um, I feel like we would have gotten many years from Divine. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. I mean, especially with the acting. drag boom now, you know, drag's gone so mainstream. Imagine Divine now, you mm. know. I mean, many people love her. A new generation love her. So him, you know, it would have been great. Yeah. Been great. With a lot of the, the cast and crew of Pink Flamingos, they were kind of known as the Dreamlanders. The Dreamlanders, yeah. And they were friends mm -hmm. and acquaintances of John Waters. You know, this is a low-budget film. Um, and his previous films were low-budget, very low-budget. Mm. And um, so he kind of got the people he could get yeah. to come and join in and be in the film and... Not get paid a hefty amount, mm -hmm. but partake in the experience. And not to say they didn't take it seriously. By all accounts, John Waters took it very seriously. But um, it was fun with friends gathered together and kind of making, you know, that that old queer adage of the um, like chosen family in in a way. And that's yeah. not to say that yeah. you know they didn't get on with their own family. But, a, 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 you know, 
I did like a band yeah, together yeah, yeah, yeah. forming and making art, you know? And from watching uh, documentaries and interviews and such, they all seem like really likable people, you know, yeah. despite playing these horrendous characters um, on screen, you know, they all seem like such a great bunch of people. And all of the filmmaking and, and everything, you know, from this group of people was so ahead of its time and so different to what everyone else was doing at that time. Uh, to the point, it's it's really admirable. Yeah, absolutely. With, with some of the messages, of course, putting across and whatnot. And now, I don't need to explain this section, it's time for our feature presentation. Give me more questions. Divine, are you a lesbian? Yes, I have done everything. Does blood turn you on? It does more than turn me on, Mr. Vader. It makes me come. And more than the sight of it, I love the taste of it. The taste of hot, freshly killed blood. Could you give us some of your political beliefs? Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. Filth are my politics. Filth is my life. Take whatever you like. Yeah, so we're just going to go through the film, like we normally do, just at maybe a little quicker pace, and just say what we think, what we feel, well, what it, we it, know. It, it didn't need explaining, but thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and now for our feature presentation. Okay, I'm one for over-explaining. <laughs> Um, so we open with um, Divine being the filthiest person alive. Yeah. She's feeding her mother, Edie, some eggs. Yeah. So Edie is obsessed with eggs, loves eggs. Um, and Edith Massey as Edie is a revelation. Yeah. Um, her acting is fucking atrocious. Mm -hmm. But there's just this incredible sincerity to it. Mm-hmm. Where you can see that she's trying her best. Yeah. And it works because mm -hmm. it's so bad. Yeah, I could, I could watch Eve Massey for hours. She's Edith, so entertaining. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. But it's that kind of hilarious person that doesn't realise just how funny they are. Yeah. And this is, you know, in Pink Flamingos as Edie the Egg Lady... But then also in the subsequent films, you know, Polyester. Yeah. Hilarious. Without knowing. Mm -hmm. I feel like, particularly in Polyester, she's given, like, her best acting yeah, yeah. performance. Yeah. Um, Desperate Living. Hilarious yeah. as the Queen. Um, is it Queen Carlotta? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And also in Female Trouble. Yeah. It's just an, inc an incredible actress which sounds so weird because obviously she's just never going to get she, she was never going to get an oscar mm -hmm. so it's weird to say incredible actress but an incredible actress yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um also had a music career which i cannot recommend enough checking out <laughs> yes. uh, it's something it's it really is um this film has one of the longest opening credit sequences of all time yeah every actor and every single extra featured in the film is listed and we even get a title card dedicating it to the Manson curse. Yeah. Um, it's throughout the film, and I, I feel like it's one part that John Waters maybe regrets yeah. a little bit. There's a few bits that we've learned he regretted, but this one in particular is a bit... Um, I don't know what the word... Uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, these are real-life murders. Mm -hmm. murders. You know, and he dedicated his film to yeah. them. This also feels like a satire on the Mansons. Yeah. Though. So, I mean, it, it kind of works in that context. But yeah. 
Yeah, I could definitely see why he'd want to take it out. Um, speaking of uh, Edie uh, and that that character, um, so she she uh, stays in in a playpen, um, and my first time watching Pink Flamingos, we went to uh, Conjurer's Kitchen at the Electric Cinema in Birmingham, where a drag queen introduced the film in a playpen. Yeah. Um, I mean. That was my first impression of the film before we even watched it, and I, I didn't know what to expect, and of course I was absolutely blown away. Um, would you like to talk about the food we were given at um, Kitchen? Yeah, so I was already, I'd already seen the film. We were given bath bags times. as well. Amazing. We were given bath bags, it was a great experience. Um, one of them was a cake in the shape of a steak. Yeah. Uh, one of them was a tongue with jelly saliva and one of them was a turd in yeah. a box and as a gift when we left we were given uh glittery pills that make your shit sparkle yes i didn't i didn't use mine no Did you use yours? i know you didn't because we have them in this oh, room in our film room. oh have we got them somewhere we, we all post them on our social media oh that would be good <laughs> oh you'll have to find them though i can't i know them. exactly where they are i oh, know i was obviously planning on using them um, Had you seen the Drag Race episodes? No, no, because I, I think it was after this that I binge-watched all of Drag Race. Ah, so um, uh, Ginger Minge's legendary performance yeah. as uh, Edie the Egg Lady. Yes. Um, also, I mean, the only John Waters film I'd seen before this was Serial Mom. And even though that was that's still, you know, obviously quite out there, it's nothing compared to this. So I, that was quite the experience. Yeah. Serial Mum is mild in comparison. Yeah. We also watched this at the Chapeltown Picture House in Manchester. And then I, I mentioned this because the fact that this is still getting cinema releases and both of these cinema uh, screenings we've been to have been packed out. Mm. You know, it, it just shows the impact it's had still to this day. Yeah. And it's, it's good because I'm glad people are going out to see it. Yeah. And we'll discuss later the new edition in the UK on Blu-ray. Yes. Blu-ray? Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Ray is blue. Um, So for a lot of people, seeing it in the cinema with these screenings, it was the only way to watch it yeah. without illegally downloading it online. Yeah. So I think it's really cool. And I hope it continues. I, I would love to see... All of John Waters' films on the big screen. Uh -huh. Yeah, of course. I think it's a great filmography for a shared experience yes. with an audience. Yeah, we 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 managed to see uh, a walkout in the Chapel Town screening mm. at the most random scene. Like, seriously, it makes no sense at all. Um, but we'll get to that later on. Well, I'll I'll tell my story now because I think it's uh, fitting. Um, I'd watched the film a few times and I was at university and it was Valentine's Day and there was a group of us who weren't in relationships or, or whatnot and we, we, the, we were free that evening and they were like, Chris, you're a film buff. What film should we put on that's sort of anti-Valentine's Day? That isn't, you know, a romantic comedy that isn't going to make us feel bad because we're single. I decided on Pink Flamingos. <laughs> and the way people looked at me after the film had finished, 
The screaming that went on and the horror in people's faces throughout this film was extraordinary. Yeah. And it one of those films, a, great as a shared experience, because I'd watched it by myself before mm-hmm. that point. And you feel a little dirty afterwards when you're watching it by yourself. <laughs> but together, you know, you feel a bit less like a creep. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, no, it is absolutely one to, to show your friends, if you know what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so Divine plays uh, Babs Johnson, uh, as Chris said, lives with uh, Edie in her playpen. Uh, also lives with her delinquent son, Crackers, and their travelling companion, Cotton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they live in Phoenix, Maryland. 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 Uh, yeah, and, and the trailer and everything, from the get-go, it, it looks so gritty and horrible. Yeah. Uh, Danny Mills allegedly regrets playing Crackers and has tried to disassociate himself from the role. It's unclear if he most regrets the sex scene with the chickens or the one with his mother. Uh, it, this was his only acting role. I mean, if you're going to have one role... Yeah, <laughs> might as well be this one. Um, I don't... I mean... I suppose when people are young, you know... I don't want to assume but i'm assuming there were lots of drugs involved in the making of this film well i mean it was confirmed on a documentary yeah you may but i don't want to say oh, danny mills was high <laughs> but i'm assuming it may be the decisions he made in regards to what he would do in the film were slightly altered yeah. um i mean from the divine trash documentary the set itself looks just there could be a film made about the making of this film and it would yeah. be thoroughly entertaining. Yeah. Um, according to the production designer, uh, Vincent Peranio, the art department's budget was about $200. Half went to purchasing the trailer, half went to decorating it. Uh, and then after that, they would just steal things. Uh, during filming, Divine was actually arrested for stealing and in in his defence, uh, he said he was a method actor playing a criminal. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, absolute call now for a disaster artist type film. Yeah, I don't. I, but I feel like the making of it would be it would be silly yeah. rather than I feel like everyone probably got on really well and. Oh yeah, but it would be it would it be very interesting. Um, so there are protagonists. Yeah, our antagonists are the Marbles. Uh huh. Connie and Raymond. Yeah, played by Mink Stoll. And David Lockery. We're introduced to um, Connie when she's interviewing for someone to go undercover to get information on um, Babs Johnson. Yeah. Divine. Now, this this is one of the funniest bits of the film. And I don't know why. But when she says, so Sandy, Miss Sandy Sandstone... <laughs> It is the line delivery. Sandy Sandstone. Oh, Mink Snow is fantastic in this film. Uh Hilarious. A fantastic comedian. Really just brilliant. But her delivery of Sandy Sandstone, I just thought was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I love an alliterative name. And this goes even further than that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, this whole conversation is is fantastic. Um, Just... The dialogue exchange in this film. Sandy's like, fuming. Sandy yeah. Sandstone is 
fucking fuming. And this is where the Douglas Sirk side of it comes comes in. Uh, the melodramatic line delivery is just it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so Connie and Raymond Marble run a, back, a black market baby ring where they kidnap young women, uh, have them impregnated by their manservant Channing, and sell the babies to lesbian couples. Yes. Um, Don't they also sell LSD at schools? They do, junior, yeah. Junior high schools. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, the, that's what the proceeds are there to, uh, to finance. That and pornography shops. Which, and Raymond also earns money by exposing himself as well. Uh, with a large sausage uh, yeah. tied to his dick to uh, women and stealing their purses when they flee. <laughs> These characters are just fucking ridiculous on another level. I mean, you have to think about the time when this is released. And something that John Waters brought up himself uh, on the audio commentary is the fact that uh, gay couples adopting back then was a complete, complete taboo. Yeah, you know, it was a complete grey area. Um, nothing like it is now. Um, you know, and and you would have gay couples going out paying for children to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that he brought this up in the film in such a funny way, but in a way that also raises awareness for you know the extremes people have to go to if they want to have a child. It, it's it's so clever the way he does it. It's horrifying how we get to that point. It is, yeah. And I understand what you're saying because it wasn't it nice to see a lesbian couple adopting a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were so happy to have the baby. They were like, "Oh my god, this is going to change our life." And they, if they were or weren't aware of how the the baby was conceived, yeah. I'm assuming this lesbian couple because you only see them. You, know, you didn't even see their faces, but you just see them from um, for one scene. Um, they're so happy and so grateful that as a lesbian couple they can have a child. It's actually quite a tender moment. <laughs> but then you're like, well, no, no, it's not a tender moment because yeah. of how that baby was conceived. That's so wrong. And then, yeah, and then you look into, into those darker moments and it, it kind of says something about the treatment of, LG, of the LGBTQ plus community in that time. Mm. You know, when it is such, it, when it is dark that you'd have to pay to have, to have a kid. Yeah. Um, and he, John Waters does this so well. He, he especially did it well in Multiple Maniacs, you know, when we literally had a freak show and people paying to watch gay couples kiss. Oh, God, yeah. It, that says so mm-hmm. much from just one small joke in a film that really says so much mm-hmm. about the way people looked at gay people back then. Mm hmm. He does it so well throughout this film. Well, would it still been um, uh, a mental illness back then? Yeah, 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 Legal, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's interesting, and it, you know, I've and I've said it plenty of times on the podcast, probably two hundred times. You know, I love a film that has those layers that yeah. you can look at and find something there. It's difficult to miss something, I mean, especially when there's so much going on in this film um, that can distract you from it. But I think, you know, upon a few rewatches as such... It's easy to... I mean, I, I wasn't looking out for social commentary when I first mm. watched this film. That, that's for certain. But, you know, the more you look into it, and especially when you're, you know, watching it for a podcast and you, you notice these little things, it, it really is a really clever piece of filmmaking. Yeah. Um, Raymond's flashing. What, what do we have to say about that? Um, 
It's a weird, it's a weird one. Um, weird because of the sausage. Uh, weird because David Lockery had to dye his pubes blue <laughs> to match his blue hair. And um, yeah, <laughs> I suppose it's for a purpose, isn't it? Yeah. He gets he gets his jollies off it. I'm assuming, but also it's so he can steal their purses. Yeah. Um, I've I've yeah. It mustn't be nice to be flashed. No, no. I fortunately I've never been flashed. But wasn't this around this time? Wasn't seventy two the year of the Oscars streaker? Maybe. Wasn't there like a period of time where people just loved streaking, like a sports events and <laughs> and such maybe i mean That's i think it. it was more popular back then than it is now yeah thankfully no i don't but the thing is this, you know it is there were people just send dick pics online now i'm assuming yeah. rather than they've got other ways 2022 but it's the same but it's the same thing though it is the same it's, thing. it's the absolutely same the same thing, thing. yeah you know, it is the if same. If you don't ask for it and you get it, if you get an unsolicited one, dick pic, yeah, it's flashing. Exactly. You know? So it, it's not exactly, you know, we look back and, you know, with not nostalgia. <laughs> not <laughs> nostalgia. But oh, we look back, you know, it's 50 years since this film came out. And we're not actually, we haven't developed that far. But wait, it's just, we've just realised we've been flashed. Um, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What 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 a revelation! But I, <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, if you're on on Grindr, is it unsolicited? Yes, that, of course it's unsolicited. It if you don't ask for it, I mean, I've never sent one, thankfully. Well, I've I've received unsolicited dick pics, and now now I'm I'm traumatized. The sausage. I, there was a sausage tied to it. There was a sausage tied to it. Um, there was blue pubes. Blue pubes. <laughs> Did he steal your wallet? <laughs> yes. There we go. Uh, I mean, it's supposed to repeat itself. Yeah. yeah. Wow. 2022, everyone. Well, no, actually, no. 2017. Oh, shit. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> 2022? <laughs> oh, shit. Quickly delete. <laughs> um. <laughs> there we go. 200 episodes and we're still just talking shit. We are. Um, <laughs> so, do, so let's not talk about flashing anymore until later. Divine goes to the shops for a five finger discount on some steak. <laughs> on the way there, there, there's two things in this film that John Waters identified as actually being illegal. <laughs> Despite all the shocking stuff that happens in the film, there's two things that are officially illegal that appear in the film. They graffitied the wall to say free Tex Watson. <laughs> Tex Watson being one of the Manson murderers. So again, that, that reference. And Divine peeing on private property yeah. in front of someone's house. <laughs> um, yeah, so... The Manson murder references, like you said, it's kind of an attack on hippie culture yeah which is a huge theme of the film um john waters said i hate hippies in the same way i hate new age people the love will conquer all mentality i hate <laughs> and it's interesting because the audience was mainly hippies yes yeah. and he even said that like 
he was kind of a hippie himself. Mm. Yeah. But he hated it. That peace and love and love will conquer all. That Kylie Jenner giving the police a Pepsi Cola <laughs> bullshit. He hated that. And the whole film is, you know, a take on that and and an and attack mm -hmm. on hippie culture. Yeah. You know, because he said it it's also an attack on maybe conservatism, mm -hmm. but no conservative's gonna watch the film. No. You know, so what what kind of was the point? The yeah. people who are gonna watch the film are the hippies. Um, they're the ones who would go to the cinema to watch this. The conservatives won't watch it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll be horrified from what they hear. Yeah. You know, but the hippies are the ones that are going to pay for tickets. And, you know, hopefully also have a sense of humour about themselves. Yeah. But, uh, and I think also he thinks that maybe hippies took themselves too seriously. Mm -hmm. And it's also an attack on people who take, some, take themselves too seriously. Yeah. And they're the ones that can't find humour in the film. Uh -huh. Because it is a comedy. Yeah. You know, uh, Mary Vivian Pierce, she wasn't allowed to be a communist mm -hmm. because she wore eye makeup. Yeah. You know, so he's kind of making fun of those people who take themselves too seriously. Mm -hmm. Those lefty hippies. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, uh, also, by the way, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is... All of this is going on, uh, you know, all this insanity, you know, these uh, attacks on hippies, the social commentary, the humour, everything we mentioned up to this point, it's all happening to the backdrop of one of the greatest soundtracks I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, amazing. And I think this is a good point to mention it, especially with the juvenile delinquent uh, scene, mm -hmm. uh, with the vine stealing the steak. It's such a perfect example, and John Waters is so good at doing this. Of mixing music and film together. Yeah. Yeah. And it especially means the music he's playing, you know, would have would have been classed as older music even at that time. Um, would it have come from around the same time as the melodramatic films that he's... Yeah, from the 50s. Of, yeah. You know, it, it, that... It works. It really works. Yeah, so it's, it's songs that he loved when he was younger... Um, and not the most famous, apart from um, the one we'll discuss in a second, mm. but not the most famous of music, but it fits very well. Yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting, the, the, his kind of, because it's quite a childish film. Yeah. And he said that quite a childish film, they're all kind of acting like children or how mm -hmm. children unsupervised would yeah. act not not the not necessarily the marbles <laughs> but you know divine and well divine you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i mean without supervision there's certain stuff kids obviously, going around eating obviously kids would not go around <laughs> eating the police but stuff like that <laughs> but you understand what i mean yes so it's it, having songs from his childhood i think is quite interesting as well mm -hmm. and also probably cheaper <laughs> well, I mean, it's probably why it's taken it so long to get a UK release. Yeah, um, but as um, Divine is stealing the steak up her dress, um, I'm not a juvenile delinquent yeah. place. Um, but the real famous song is The Girl Can't Help It. Mm -hmm. And this is one of my favourite scenes from the film. Yeah. So it's after Babs has stolen the steak. 
and Divine is walking down the street and you're getting these looks yeah. <laughs> from the public. Mm-hmm. You know, not actors, the public yeah. on the Baltimore street. And they are horrified. Yeah. <laughs> Just at Divine's existence. Mm-hmm. Horrified. Shocked. Yeah. Appalled. As the girl can't help it plays. Yeah. So the girl can't help it was one of John Waters' favorite films, starred Jane Mansfield. Jane mm-hmm. Mansfield, and Jane Mansfield was a big influence on Divine mm-hmm. as a drag actor, mm-hmm. and a big influence also on the interiors of the trailer. So that very kitsch fifties look that it had yeah. which was well past its sell by date by 1972 yeah. um was based around on a much smaller budget jane mansfield's mm-hmm. mansion you know yeah and i think that's very interesting that they would choose jane mans jane mansfield as that influence because jane mansfield was very much a sex symbol mm-hmm. um Maybe more so than Marilyn Monroe looked at as a ditzy blonde just for her figure, for yeah. her curves, can't act, can't, you know, do mm-hmm. this, that and the other. Uh, very much objectified. And Divine is basing her whole look on this. Yeah. And Divine is a large man. But also with Jane Mansfield's Is It or Isn't It True satanic past as mm. well... Uh, there's an entire documentary about it, which is absolutely worth watching. Um, which John Waters was in. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, those sort of rumours as well, adding to that persona, and with the fact that, you know, Divine in this film is a murderer and a cannibal as well, it kind of all comes together and it makes sense when you think about it. It's a weird one to think of straight away. It's not the first thing that comes to mind is James Jane Mansfield. But then when you think about it, it's like, oh, this absolutely makes sense. And also Jane Mansfield had a very unfortunate and untimely death yeah. in a car accident. Um, something John Waters has on many occasions said he found very interesting as a child. Yeah. The car crashes and such. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh, excuse me, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so fun. absurd yeah. to say out loud. <laughs> um, um, the Marvels enlist a spy. Just, just going back, sorry. Um, what I also love about this girl can't help it scene is that it's Divine showing why Divine was so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Divine made a career celebrating the character characteristics of himself that he was bullied for. Yeah. You know, you're too fat, you're too gay, mm-hmm. you know, so what's what does he do well i'm too gay no i'm gonna be a drag you know artist Mm. drag actor too fat you know i'm gonna wear the tightest dress i can find yeah too weird you know look at this fucking hairline that's a meter away from my eyebrows look at this crazy makeup you know it's a celebration of everything Mm -hmm. that he was told made him not good enough yeah and that's very endearing. It is. To, it to is. Peop- to a queer audience, to, you know, a weird audience, to a fat audience, you know, um, I may be one of them. It's very endearing. It is. You know? It is. It's great to see body positivity, especially 
around this time. Where the film, the, there's a lot of jokes in this film. Divine's appearance isn't the joke. I mean, there's a few moments where, you know, there's some name calling and such uh, from other characters. Uh, and it's so melodramatic to the point it is funny. But it's not the centre of the joke. Whereas, you know, you have films being released 20 to 30 years after this. Where if you had a man dressed as a woman in a film and they were fat, that's the joke. Yeah. That's the main joke, you know. But Divine made a living off it. And yeah. celebrated it. And in a film that is attacking people who can't laugh at themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, drag queens, as John Waters stated, were very square back then. Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't very hip. They dressed like mothers. And they, the other drag queens, hated Divine. Yeah. Because to them, and we've seen the Queen, the documentary, and there's a poster on the Marbles wall. Yeah, an influence queen, for this film, wasn't it? Very much an influence for this film. And the the drag queens within that documentary are hosting a pageant. And what it appears to be is the most feminine, mm. the one who looks most like a woman, yeah. the one who looks most like Elizabeth Taylor, is the one that wins. Mm. You know, yeah. glamour, um, being able to pass as a woman. Mm -hmm. They're what was celebrated in yeah. drag culture and John Waters was like, no, that's bullshit. Um, and divine with the influence of David Lockery came around to that yeah. as well and made a fucking career mm -hmm. of saying, no, you know, this is what my drag is. And that's perfectly valid. Mm -hmm. um, even though when divine first started wearing uh, women's clothing she did want to look like elizabeth taylor mm -hmm. um famously later on saying when i was younger this always makes me laugh and i love elizabeth taylor um when i was younger i always wanted to be look like elizabeth taylor yeah and now she looks like me <laughs> uh, and god bless her she kind of did uh, <laughs> But yeah, I love that scene. Really iconic. And it, yeah. it's not shocking at all. It's kind of just a celebration mm -hmm. of divine, of queerness, of weirdness. Yeah. And just the looks on the the, the people's faces yeah. as divine struts down that street to uh, the girl can't help it. I love it. The Marbles enlist a spy, Cookie, to gather information about divine by dating crackers. Uh, which leads to one of the film's most infamous scenes yeah this was the, really the one that made me uncomfortable yeah like really uncomfortable um i don't know how to describe it so cookie and crackers start having sex i know it's a minor scene but also the scene before this where cookie meets edie Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, that so is hilarious. Funny. So she's just sitting there, Edie's asleep, and then she wakes up. And just, I don't even know, just, it, she's just her talking. Her face. It's covered in just egg. And just talking. her, you know, this person who's gone there undercover. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the whole joke about this scene is the fact that it's backfiring on her for, for going undercover, um, but to absolute extremes. And this is a starter. It's just so funny. Yeah. Um, so they're going at it, being watched by Cotton. And Crackers introduces a chicken 
to the festivities. Um, yeah, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uncomfortable. Yeah, one. this is one of the scenes uh, that isn't easy to watch, even on a rewatch. Um, I mean, somehow John Waters still makes an absolutely valid point about it. Despite how horrific it is. Yeah. I, I mean, he said, this is a chicken that was going to be killed and cooked. Um, but he gave the chicken a career. It's it's in a film. Um, and we're still talking about it 50 years later. We are. And the cast actually cooked and ate the chicken and after. And ate the chicken. So the, the chicken does die within the scene. Uh, yeah. So the, the chicken has its throat slit. Um, and David... Uh, not David. Um, Danny Mills. Yeah, Danny Mills is is uh, he's just completely smothering Cookie Mueller with with this dead chicken. Yeah. Um, and you can absolutely tell Cookie Mueller is not. Yeah, because she's getting scratched a lot. Yeah, I mean, we probably should have said in a bizarre series of events. Um, this is yeah. bizarre even saying. It we should have said that before um, <laughs> we started talking about the film. Uh, yeah, it, it's. Unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, it shows how fucking insane uh, that you know that this family are because obviously Diviner has already had a conversation with him about this near the start of the film, so mm. she knows this is what he does. Um, you know, you've got Cotton watching from the window. I mean, we already know uh, what they're like. <laughs> yeah, they probably could have done without this. But you know, as said in Female Trouble. Who wants to die for art? Well, oh, well, the chicken did. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as much as that, he, as much as John Waters tries to justify it and makes a weird kind of sense, um, it's still not pleasant to watch. It's not. No, it's very uncomfortable. Uh, it is very uncomfortable. Um. But then you know, we we don't sit here as vegans or vegetarians. No. No. Um. After that bizarre series of events, another bizarre series of events. Artificial insemination, Gary. Yes. What have you got to say about that? Could have gone my whole life without seeing this. <laughs> um, again, another hilarious scene leading up to it, uh, where the uh, the guy living with uh, the marbles is having a wank. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it says a lot about my sense of humour. I yeah. funny. Um, but the fact that he's standing there, he's having the a wank. The way his, like, ass is clenching. It's, 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 it's like, yeah. that's acting. He's not actually giving himself <laughs> a treat. <laughs> it's one of the, the women that's down there with him in, in the pit. He's like, oh, you're disgusting. What are you doing? Oh, look what you're doing to yourself. Oh, I nearly threw up when you came near me. Oh, look at it. And it's her reactions. It's so funny. For such a dark scene. Uh, you know, to the point where you're questioning yourself, laughing at it, but it's it, it really is hilarious. Um, yeah, the the uh, artificial insemination, something. Yeah, so he gets his uh, what's it called? It's not Spunk. a tur turkey oh. baster. <laughs> what is it? It's a syringe. Syringe. syringe thank yeah. you. We see a close up of his uh, spunk. We do. Yeah, and then we get a very very close shot of the ladies. Um, vagina. Body double. Body, Body double. double. But, um, a vagina and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with the, um, yeah, syringe. We knew what was happening, John Waters. You didn't need to show us this. 
But that's the but that's the whole idea, you know. Would it have the same effect if you didn't show it? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and it's yeah. <laughs> I genuinely do not know what to say. I mean, that just happened. It's very shocking. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never seen one so close in a film before. No. Or since, I don't think. No. Can you think of another film? Um, no, Don't such... Breathe nearly went there. Um... <laughs> no, not in artificial insemination, just a vagina in general. Oh, just a vagina? Yeah, that's Yeah, close. of course we've seen um, Devil Hunter. Oh, the whole film is oh, close-ups of vaginas. The entire fucking film. Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. Okay, um, yeah, that's I, true. I say this as a gay man. I've seen a lot of vaginas, um, and it's all been on a screen. And it's not in porn either, so. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that happens. I feel like an Avengers character. Well, that happened. Um, what? That's what they say. Isn't nope. that the, the joke? Every every sort of Marvel film is, oh, well, that happened. Yeah, thanks, Taika Matiti. Um, anyway, um, Cookie informs the Mahabals about Babs' real identity, uh, her whereabouts and her family, as well as our upcoming birthday party. Uh, this scene would be more grossed out by the artificial insemination or the this toe scene, licking. This scene, toe the, the toe sucking, <laughs> horrified. As someone who I don't like feet, um, yeah, I just, I was horrified. It was absolutely disgraceful. Um, they're in bed together. <laughs> Uh, Connie and Raymond and they're sucking each other's toes you know what <laughs> what, what the actors did in this film is incredible you know what they had to go through because I don't think I could do that I mean they might film. have enjoyed it you know for they might have, you know some people and this is one of the things is that not not all of it but stuff like this which is quite shocking mm-hmm um, well, people actually do yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, people actually do enjoy feet and yeah, that's what you like. That's what you like. Putting them in your mouth and oh god. Um, we're not kink shaming, by no, the way. If you no, enjoy it, not. then good for no, you. I just, I'm, I'm sure not, you'll really enjoy this I'm scene. I'm just one of those people that hates feet. <laughs> I don't. I just find them a, a bit gross. I, I do apologise. I'm not kink shaming. It's just not for me. Um. It's making fun of porno chic. It is. It is. It's and there's another scene later on that also makes fun of porno chic, and we'll we'll probably get to that. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It is. It really best, is. Some of the best dialogue in the film. Um, <laughs> where they they confess their love for each other, uh, and Connie says, "Oh, I love you, Raymond. I love you more than anything in this whole world. More than my own filthiness. More than my own hair color. Oh God, I love you more than the sound of bones breaking. The sound of death rattle." Even more than my own shit, do I love you, Raymond? <laughs> Amazing. Even more than my own shit. Even more than my own shit. Who loves their <laughs> shit that much? Um, speaking of which... Speaking of which... Um, what I feel to be the funniest scene of the entire film... <laughs> um, Divine has sent a turd through the post yes. for her birthday. And, yeah, if you must know, a real turd provided by Divine. Yeah. Well, if you're going to open a box with a real turd in, it probably should be your own, <laughs> well, yeah. shouldn't it? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, just the dialogue. Hilarious. A turd. A t- <laughs> Someone sent me a bowel movement. <laughs> so, so no one sends you a turd and expects to live. <laughs> but the best line of dialogue in this scene is Edie. <laughs> no one mentions the Eggman. Uh, we haven't mentioned the Eggman yet. No. Actually. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but <laughs> she literally says, it wasn't the Eggman, Babs. The Eggman didn't do it. <laughs> No one said he did. No one said. Um, she gets a card addressing her as Fatso. As Fatso, um, which apparently was an actual insult that Divine was given a lot when she was yeah. younger. Uh, he was younger. Um, fans would actually send John Waters turds for the yeah. post. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, the card is also signed from the filthiest people alive. So now Divine knows. Uh, the competition's out there. Yeah. W- one thing we haven't said yet is th- this film has no plot, by the way. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> essentially, no. There's, it's just a series of um, weird events yeah. sort of joined together. I mean, if they were to give a plot, you know, it would be people competing to be the filthiest people alive. Yeah, but... essentially. That old American yeah. um, tradition of competition... Yeah. That they all seem to love. And Divine declares that whoever... And uh, only Americans can uh, enter this competition. But they declare themselves the filthiest people Mm -hmm. alive. Even though there were a few billion people on the planet. (laughs) It's only in America. Um, And only in Baltimore And only in Baltimore. Baltimore often feels like an extra character in John Waters' films. What is it? Oh, is it... um... Oh, in in America, the baseball competition is called the World Series. Yeah, but it's only American <laughs> teams. <laughs> um, yeah. Divine declares that whoever sent the package must die. Um, Channing starts dressing in Connie's clothes whilst the marbles are gone, uh, and imitates his employer's overheard conversations. Um, when they return home, they're absolutely outraged to find him mocking them. So they fire him and lock him in a closet. They do. <laughs> Again, that's, I mean, shoving someone in a closet when they find him dressed as a woman. That says a lot. And there we are. It's true. Um, in some really nice events. Oh, my God. Edie and the Eggman get engaged. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I remember my notes. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. Eggman. Edie and the Eggman yeah, get so engaged. The, the Eggman um, was a thing. Her love is reciprocated. Yeah, she. We didn't really explain that. She Edie loves eggs so much mm-hmm. that there is a man that comes round and sells them eggs on a daily basis. A real thing. In, Apparently, back at that a real time. thing, yeah. like a milkman, but this is an eggman. <laughs> um, and she loves him so much. That's reciprocated. It's very heartwarming. <laughs> genuinely, I know it sounds weird to say, but it's actually a genuinely heartwarming moment. Edie gets her happy ending with the Eggman. Yeah. Doesn't she? Um, but they're both there to celebrate Divine's birthday party. They are. Um, Divine gifts include A200, which we learnt from John Waters' commentary is some sort of um, product to get rid of crabs. <laughs> she gets poppers. Yeah. Um, which... Seemingly back in the day, they cracked in half and then sniffed. Yeah. 
Um, slightly different to now. And she gets a pig's head. Oh, and fake vomit. And a fake meat, vomit. And a meat cleaver. And a meat cleaver. Oh, excuse me. Um, the marbles are there spying on this birthday party and in a bizarre series of events. Now, I, I tell you now, I've sat through this chicken scene a number of times. Um, I've sat through the dog shit eating scene a number of times. I still cannot keep my eyes on the screen completely whilst this scene happens. So, entertainers include a topless woman with a snake hat. That's fine. Who, uh, <laughs> Brittany? Yeah. And a, I'm a slave for you. Yeah. And a contortionist who flexes his prolapsed anus. Prolapsed? Who said it was prolapsed? Bitch, it's prolapsed. That's so Have you rude. watched the film? Have you watched the, f- the scene in Fall? I have, yeah. It's prolapsed. No, prolapsed means the inside's outside. Chris, that happens. No, it's just... I bit... promise you that happens. It's I just, promise you it's that It's just happens. a bit big. No, it happens. It really does. You need to watch the scene again and study it properly. It happens. No, it's just it's like... <laughs> bum lips Chris, or whatever. I checked Wikipedia. It happens. <laughs> oh. what? It's this prolapsed Wikipedia... anus. Wikipedia says it's prolapsed. Yes. Oh. Oh, I just thought it was a bit big. No, I've seen the scene enough times and looked away enough times. Oh, I, I watch it all the way through. He flexes his prolapsed anus in Rhythm to the Song, Surfing Bird. At his request, the singing arsehole was not credited, uh, and John Waters maintained that he certainly uh, will remain nameless because uh, it's his choice. And he did up until uh, his death in 2020, where his, uh, his widow gave the permission for John Waters to reveal uh, that his name was David Gluck. Yeah, and it was quite sad, really, because it, it's, um, I mean, thoroughly entertaining. Yeah. It's some a trick that not everyone can do. And it, it's hilarious. But he what he didn't want uh, revealed, uh, he didn't want his name revealed whilst his parents were still alive. Yeah. Because he didn't want his parents yeah. to find yeah. out. He wasn't necessarily ashamed of it, and I think he told close friends and such. Um, because, you know, what a pie trick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It is, to most, I think most people that I've shown the film or watched the film with, that is the one where people are truly either horrified or cackling with laughter. <laughs> it's, there's no middle ground. No. You know, you're watching it, you, you there's no straight face. Mm-hmm. You know, you're one or the other. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it says about me that I can watch many horror films of people being chopped up here and there, but I can't watch a singing arsehole. Yeah. Um, the Eggman uh, leaves, goes off into the sunset with Edie in a wheelbarrow. Yes. <laughs> Which uh, was visibly difficult. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, the party gets... Uh, well, the marbles call the police. Yeah. The police turn up to stop the party. And uh, so the party goers cut up and eat the police. They do. In what was uh, either an homage to Neither Living Dead or Blood Feast. John Waters can't quite remember. Uh, I can see a point for either. Yeah. Do you find it interesting that this is the only time where Babs and Co actively hurt other people 
yeah or harm of a people yeah let's the, the chicken aside mm-hmm. you know is this because well apart from the marbles the marbles yeah but the marbles um antagonize yeah babs you mm-hmm. know that's a revenge plot yeah the marbles are the ones not minding their own business the police are the ones not minding their own business yes to a certain degree you know and so they're punished yeah but you know divine is the filthiest person alive but the the, the really weird strange and shocking things they do they're not harming anyone else whereas the marbles are the ones kidnapping people yeah they're the ones selling drugs to children mm-hmm. you know and i think yeah. that's quite an interesting definitely i mean especially given uh the police's problematic history with the lgbtq plus absolutely this is post stonewall yeah um you know i mean even to this day we're still getting bans on uniformed police officers from pride because of how you know sort of incidents that happened even in recent years yeah you know yeah so i think yeah i think that's a very interesting point and i think that was absolutely intentional yeah because ultimately despite the shocking nature of what they do mm-hmm. they just live in their own lives yeah. they're not necessarily harming anyone else um you know the, the most shocking moments that include babs uh in particular mm. you know well what, you know mind your business what, yeah what harm is babs doing i think and i don't think it right that you know yeah, yeah. the final scene yeah <laughs> i think uh, including uh cannibalism as well as an homage to either night of the living dead or blood feast is interesting considering night of living dead when that did that that was new that was the first time zombies that mm. ate people um you know blood feast wasn't too far was it released before or after it wasn't too far oh. apart um so you know this is obviously a new kind of thing within horror films at that point um so for john waters to include a bit of horror in this film by including that i feel that's great yeah and ultimately what they both also are are low budget underground movies yeah like pink flamingos mm-hmm. you know and john waters as we've discovered whilst we've been watching all his work and listening to commentaries watching interviews mm-hmm. is someone who wears his influences very much on his yeah. sleeve yeah, yeah you don't always notice because the influences sometimes are a little weird yeah <laughs> a little out there but he's you know a film fan he loves films mm-hmm. and he's very much like quentin tarantino always steal or, or directly um take from other films yeah. but he wears his influences uh-huh. on his sleeve definitely yeah. i feel one of Raymond's would-be flasher targets uh, a transgender woman who has not completed uh, gender reassignment surgery Thwarts his scheme by exposing her breast, penis, and scrotum, causing Raymond to flee in shock. Absolute queen. <laughs> Elizabeth given, Coffee. Yeah. Giving Raymond a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. Um, hilarious scene. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, funny. Elizabeth Coffee was a transgender woman who had already undergone the hormone therapy to develop breasts and female features at the time of filming. Uh, she had surgery to remove her penis a week to the day her scene was filmed. Uh, and appeared as a cisgender female in Female Trouble. Oh. So, yeah. Um, I mean, just including 
a transgender woman in a film in you know in the early 70s that is massive massive for you know for, for trans people trans representation you know, whether it's the best representation in, in the scene that she uses a joke i you know but i don't feel like she was the joke but the, that's what i was joke just, is yeah raymond getting a taste of his that's own medicine. what i'm getting to yeah the fact that it's used like that and the fact that a transgender person is shown you know nude as well seriously who else is doing that in the early 70s mm. You know, to include that, it, you, whether it's for shock value or not, it's still big. And it's it's still, you know, something that no one else is doing. Yeah. And th this is what I find with Pink Flamingos. However shocking or distasteful um, or trashy people say it is, it's not offensive. No. You know, a lot of films throughout the years have been deemed as controversial or shocking because they're homophobic, mm -hmm. racist, transphobic, um, they feature, oh god, Nazism, yeah. you know, anti-Semitic, you know, all of those. And this is when I say that I, I hate when Pink Flamingos is put in the same category as a lot of yeah. these films. Yeah. Because it's not. It's not offensive it's shocking but it, it doesn't have it's not necessarily at anyone's expense no you know and if you've got a good sense of humor about yourself mm -hmm. then it's not at anyone's expense and i i, I don't think you know hippies <laughs> being the target is really yeah. that offensive you know um and that that's why the film works Mm -hmm. Because you're shocked, but you're shocked. You know, you've chosen to be shocked. Yeah. You're not harming. They're not harming anyone. No. You know? And that's what I love about the film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Divine and Crackers head to Marvel's house where they lick and rub the furniture, which, which excites them so much that Divine um, ends up giving Crackers a blowjob. Yeah. Uh, the only scene, but well, one of the two only things that uh, John Waters regrets in the film, yeah. uh, it's unsimulated. We see it all. Um, he claimed it was awkward film because the two actors were friends at the time. Uh, he feels it's also the most dated part of the film because, again, it's a satire on the likes of Deep Throat and uh, Porno Sheik. Yeah. 70s. So it references films that don't really aren't really in the zeitgeist anymore. No. That Porno Sheik idea of. You know, people taking themselves very seriously, getting all doled up yeah. to go watch Deep Throat in the cinema. Yeah. You know, and John Waters has always been a fan of art films as well as trashy um, exploitation films. Um, but I feel like he's making fun of those people who, you know, dressed in their best furs yes. to go watch Behind the Green Door. <laughs> you know, shit like that. Yeah, they find uh, Channing. It's also uh, sorry, just just another one. This was the the scene that really horrified people when I showed it on Valentine's <laughs> Day, and it, it got, it's, it's kind of horrifying because obviously Divine and Danny Mills aren't mother and son. No, it's an incest scene, but because of like the sincerity and the believability of Divine as an actress, and the weird chemistry that they have together. It does feel very uncomfortable yeah. because, you know, you are invested in the fact that they are 
mother and son. Yeah. And it's ridiculous because obviously uh-huh. they're not. They're <laughs> really not. No. But it is uncomfortable because of that. Yeah. Um, they find Channing and discover two pregnant women held captive in the basement. Uh, after Divine and Crackers free the women with a large knife, the women use the knife to uh, chop off Channing's dick. They do. So this is the scene that people walked out on in Chapel Town Picture House. Like, I mean, seriously, up until this point, you've seen a singing arsehole. You've seen a chicken murdered. You've seen, you know, incest and everything. And you're going to walk out at uh who is essentially an antagonist being castrated yeah you don't even see it really do you <laughs> no no uh the marbles set uh babs's they do. home on fire yeah um you get a controversial long take on the flames um i think very much a stretch People accusing John Waters of being some sort of pyromaniac <laughs> because the the the, 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 the take is very long on the flames. You are watching fire for a very long time. I mean, if you're gonna you know do something like that on a micro budget, you're gonna want to film it as long that as possible. Is <laughs> it probably cost them a lot of money to do that. Um, yeah, so they go, they return, don't they? they Babs do. and crackers, and they find that the mobile home has been burnt down. And so they go to the marbles to put them on trial. Yeah, but first the uh, the marbles are uh, rejected by their furniture. <laughs> oh yeah, that is funny. That is funny. They, they go home and they cast it down because the furniture rejects them because it was cursed when it was licked by divining crackers. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think is a real curse, so don't be trying it. Um, marbles on trial. Yeah. Iconic. This uh, divines outfit this scene the big red dress everyone knows the image everyone knows knows it holding the gun um absolutely stunning absolute icon love it love it this on all the posters on anything pink flamingos Mm -hmm. this is the one um john waters was a big fan of trials love to watch them um it's weird it's a weird part of american culture that doesn't really exist in the uk Mm. Because we don't have, as far as I know, unless there's a big revelation coming our way, we don't have court cases televised. We don't. No, I mean, we no. had the Johnny Depp one, didn't we? That was in the UK. That was, was that in the UK? It was in the UK. Was it? Yeah. With Amber Heard? Uh-huh. Yeah. Why was that in the UK? Everyone was American. I know. I know. Yeah, in the UK. Was it really? It was. Or was it televised? It was live online, it? I believe. Can we do that? Maybe. Wow. I never knew that. But it's a very much an American thing. You know, the O.J. Simpson trial, uh, the Manson murder trial, you know, big news, big, you know, and trials here are big news as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was on TV. um, So it's very much in keeping with that. And the American culture that I was speaking about earlier... And the Americana, which I'm I'm not 100% sure what Americana means, but... (laughs) Keep saying it, it sounds good. It does sound good. I'm not 100% sure, what does Americana mean? I have no idea. That's Carly Johnson. That's Americanas, but okay. Is it? Yeah, Holly Johnson, Americanas. Love that song. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) the, the court trial. Yes. 
Um, Absolutely the, fantastic yeah. dialogue. Divine calls the tabloid media to witness the trial and execution. Um, you'll have already heard the quote that I've included on this episode uh, from it, which is really iconic. Uh, they are uh, convicted on uh, terms of first degree stupidity and assholism. Uh, yeah, I mean, just this, this whole monologue is just incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I suppose, a trash, um, manifesto. Yeah. Like, I think John Waters wrote it as a kind of trash manifesto of, you know, eat shit. Yeah. You know, kill everyone, um, do whatever you like, very, um... And and uh, oh, what's the word? Anarchy. What's Anarchist. That? Anarchist. Yeah. Anarchy. 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 Yeah. yeah, that's the right word. The yeah, right word. it is, isn't it? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, very much in a, a sort of anarchist yeah. view. You know, polar opposite to hippie culture. Yeah. Love and peace and give peace a chance. Um, the opposite. Kill everyone yeah. now. Condone first degree murder. Eat shit. Yeah. Um, they're tied. Marbles are tied to a tree, coated in tar and feathers, and shot in the head by the vine. Yeah. And then the funny thing is that the uh, journal and it, you know another sort of satire on journalism and the the media. The photographers are there the whole time, and what they say instead of saying, "What if we go to the police?" They say, well, what if we don't run the story? <laughs> and she's like, well, I know where you, I know that you have a wife and a child. <laughs> so if you don't run this story, I might have to pay them a visit. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And then they just walk off and they're like, oh, yeah, nice one. Thanks, Babs. Thanks. Yeah. See you later. One of, one of these, uh, one of the cameramen being the director of Divine Trash. Filming footage whilst yes. it's being filmed. Yeah. Um, Divine Crackers and Cotton decide they're going to move to Idaho, don't they? Yeah, they're going to move to Boise, Idaho. Um, Divine's going to get a crew cut and they're going to live yeah. in, uh, is it gas station bathrooms? Yeah. And, uh, the film ends there and nothing else happens. Well, yeah, so you'd think. <laughs> in, in the bizarre, the final bizarre series of events, uh, spotting a small dog... Uh, having a shit on the sidewalk, Divine scoops it up with her hand, puts it in her mouth, proving, as the uh, voiceover narration by Water states, that Divine is not only the filthiest person in the world, but she's also the filthiest actress in the world. This is the scene that everyone talks about. Yeah. This is the one, you know, that if you said to someone, oh, Pink Flamingos, it's a drag queen eats shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it is horrifying. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. It really is. The shit-eating grin that Divine gives the camera and that wink. Um, fucking hilarious. Yeah. But because it's so disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's no laws against it. There's no laws against it. This is not against the law. Yeah. And let's be honest, Divine... In 1972, was probably not the first person in the world to eat dog shit. Wow, I mean, maybe. But just the first <laughs> actress 
to do it on film. Yeah. Um, John Waters said this, that the whole film is about pot. I was on pot when I wrote it. The audience was on pot. Divine was on pot when she agreed to eat shit. <laughs> and do, do you see that? And I'm trying not to get too serious about it. But do you see the scene as a kind of precursor to the shocking content we now get online? Um, do you think a modern audience can be shocked oh, yeah. by this as they were 50 years ago? I, I think the creators of Jackass may have uh, stumbled upon this. But I think we're getting to the point with the internet mm. where people are doing oh, as come on. much as There's possible. probably about 50,000 videos on the internet people eating shit now. Let's, let's Abs- face it. Absolutely. You know, and again, not to kink shame anyone, but you've got scat play yeah, yeah. and all of that. You know, two girls, one cup. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got people online eating, um, what's, is it Tide Pods or, you know, for, for washing? I have absolutely Clothes no idea. washing, you know, <laughs> as a challenge. Um, you know, people are doing much more and more and more to gain attention. Yeah. You know, and obviously as a film, Pink Flamingos has a message about American culture. Yeah. But it it's kind of using the same tactics. You know, John Waters said, you know, we were a low budget film. We had to do whatever we could do mm-hmm. to get people's attention. Yeah. So you lure them in with the promise of someone eating dog shit. Uh-huh. And then you give them a hilarious film that's a commentary on American culture. Yeah. You know, and what we've seen in the 50 years, because, you know, the film was prosecuted many times after it was released. The film would be put to a jury and John Waters would constantly have to pay fines. Um, very reminiscent of the video Nasties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a tale as old as time, you know, and, and before Pink Flamingos was Blood Feast, you know, f- films that were made to shock. But do you think that over the years, you know, Blood Feast, Pink Flamingos and John Waters films, you know, video Nasties, mm-hmm. there's a lot of the video Nasties we've watched and they're ridiculously painful to watch because... They exist only to shock. Yeah. There's nothing else to them, mm-hmm. particularly like the Nazi exploitation ones, yeah. you know, and then you get stuff like Jackass, mm. which is extreme for entertainment and humour. And then on the internet now, any Tom, Dick and Harry can go online, do the stupidest yeah. shit for attention and get millions of mm-hmm. people, Yeah, you know, and it... I. Out of those, obviously, Pink Flamingos is top of the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in many ways, it is a precursor. And we haven't really come that far in 50 years. No. Because people are still using those same tactics of shocking mm-hmm. to gain an audience. Yeah. To gain attention. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, if you're wondering what happened after Pink Flamingos, uh, director John Waters wrote a sequel. To the film called mm. Flamingos Forever, which takes place 15 years after the original, showing Babs return to Baltimore with Cotton Crackers, Miss Edie, and uh, her new grandson, Dwayne, uh, an eight-year-old transgender boy. Uh, their foe in the film is Connie Marble's sister, uh, Vera. Vera Vinegar. Nice. You know I love an alternative name. Um, Veninger, maybe, but it looks oh, like Vinegar. Vinegar. Yeah. 
and her husband Wilbur, a necrophile who runs a mortuary. Oh. Troma Films offered to finance the picture for $600,000, but it was never made because of the death of Edith Massey and later that of Divine, whose roles were integral to the plot. Uh, Waters was also very uncomfortable with Troma's editing facilities. Apparently, it's it was from like the earliest days of editing. Uh, Since when has Troma had $600,000 for a film? <laughs> they make a lot. Uh, the screenplay is actually available with the screenplays uh, of Pink Flamingos and Desperate Living in a collection entitled Trash Trio, if anyone can read it. Ah, that'd be good. Yeah. Just not to get that. Um, but yeah, that, that is Pink Flamingos. That's Pink Flamingos. Which brings me to our new awards section. Uh, you may recognise this from our original versus remake episodes, but for why the fuck not? Let's bring it into our uh, other episodes and create some more categories. So first up... We have the biggest queen, the actress that we stand the most in the film, because you all know it's rare that we discuss a film without a strong female character. Absolutely. Um, What's yours? Mine is obviously Divine. Mine is also Divine. Divine has a singular screen presence that I don't believe could ever be duplicated. Yeah. I mean, the egg lady is a close second, um, but it is absolutely Divine for me. Yes. Yeah. There's the a force, and we've defined there was no one like that before, and no one like that after. No, like really, mm-hmm. in terms of you know, like a cultural um, reset. Yeah, in terms of like drag. Yeah, um, in particular, and you know, queer cinema. No one, no one like Divine. No. Uh, next up, we have the biggest gasp, <gasps> gasp, which is most shocking, outrageous, and scandalous moment. For me, it is, of course, the singing and indeed prolapsed anus. Yes. Um, for me, it would probably be the artificial insemination. <laughs> <laughs> Just really horrifying. Um, maybe the chicken as well, actually, the poor uh, chicken. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the biggest gasp. And, and and I think, you know, it still holds up 50 years later. It does. We like our trashy cinema. We like our exploitation. You know, I'm not one of these that goes online anymore and watches these weirdo videos. Anymore? To shock. Well, when you're in uni, <laughs> someone would always put them on and, and search. Um, Cake Farts was a particular favourite. Uh, but... It's, so it still shocks me. I still find Pink Flamingos not so much now because I've watched it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's meant to shock. It's still, you know, a gasp-worthy moment. Yeah. Many gasp-worthy moments. Uh, John Waters himself said that, you know, critics today are too hip and they would never admit that they were shocked. And I, I think, think that's... True. I think it's cooler to sit here and say, well, I wasn't shocked by any of uh-huh. Pink Flamingos. You know, I, you know, watched One Man, One Jar and I wasn't <laughs> horrified. Next up we have Best Dialogue, which is exactly how it sounds. Mine is uh, Connie's Confession of Love for Raymond that ends with, I love you even more than my own shit. Yeah. Um, something else involving shit. It's my favourite is Babs Johnson when she says, Oh my God almighty, someone has sent me a bowel movement. <laughs> And finally, we have That's Camp, the most camp moment in the film. For me, I have Divine's big monologue. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I also put down all of it. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's camp, it's you true. know, and camp is something that is difficult to really explain. Mm -hmm. There's no certain formula to it. Um, I think it's Susan Sontag that wrote, you know, the, the, the book on camp, literally. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, she couldn't say there was definite, you know, a definite what is camp and yeah. what isn't. It's subjective. And uh, what would you rate the film? Yes, we have a rating section now. We do have a rating section, and of course it's tens. Yeah. Ten, ten, ten. Ten dog ten shit out of ten. Board. Ten dog shit. Ten eggs. Yeah. Across ten, ten toes being sucked. And would you say this is a masterpiece, trash to piece, trash, or a basic bitch? Um, I mean, masterpiece? Yeah. Um, for me, it goes past trash to piece because it knows what it's doing. A trash to piece for me is something that's so bad it's good, something that, you know, isn't supposed to be trashy but ends up being so trash that it's entertaining. For me, this is a masterpiece because, yes, it is trashy. Yes, it is disgusting in places, but it means to be, and it does it to an expert standard, and it's clever, it's funny. There's social commentary as well. I mean, you know, no one else could pull this off. Yeah. D despite it feeling amateur, yeah, it's not amateur at all. Exactly. And the same, I mean, the same can be said for many films around that time, you know, Night of the Living Dead, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. Black Christmas, you know, these films are clearly made on a low budget, but mm. they're still masterpieces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you would like to check out Pink Flamingos, it is available on Blu-ray as part of the Criterion Collection. What a release this was. Yeah, it literally came out this month. Today? Today. Well, I mean, we're recording today. Don't give it away. You're listening on the Tuesday. But yeah, July, it, it came out a little earlier in America, but Criterion Collection. Um, where it belongs. Where it belongs. I hope to see all of John Waters. I think they're slowly getting there. Yeah, yeah. Female Trouble is, um, and Polyester are both on Criterion. Multiple Maniacs. Multiple Maniacs. Uh, so we might get, we might get Pekka in mm. the, the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can buy it for a good price, for a fantastic film. You know, yeah. You're not really going to get it available anywhere else in the UK. So I fully recommend... You get Divine Trash on the uh, special features. Divine Trash, great documentary. Um, you get commentaries. We're not sponsored by Criterion. No, we're not. But this they is, might but, want to. But that would be good, wouldn't it? Waiting for a long time to get this released in the UK. Absolutely. And this is such a relief. Um, you know, even the packaging, everything about it. The transfer of the film. Cleaned up. Uh, but still looks grainy. Just, yeah, just get this release. If, yeah. if you are curious after listening to this episode, or if you're a fan of the film, it's highly recommended. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another new feature uh, we're going to include, and this is our last one, is a recommendation if you have seen this and if you enjoyed it or if you decide to watch it and you enjoy it. For me, I recommend uh, Female Trouble. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I would recommend Female Trouble. Female Trouble is my favourite John Waters film. Yeah. 
Do you have another one you would recommend? Well, I, I, uh, mine's a little broader. Mm-hmm. So um, I would recommend watching all of John Waters' well, yeah. films. Yeah, absolutely. If you like this, if you're interested in watch all of John Waters' films. Yeah. It's very much the same tone with Female Trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would recommend watching Kenneth Angus' Scorpio Rising. Yeah. It's a short film, uh, queer cinema with a 50s aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Soundtrack is very similar yeah. to Pink Flamingos. Uh, I'd recommend watching Paul Morrissey's um, Warhol-produced films. Yeah. Not, not all of them, um, but, you know, there are queer films, underground cinema, mm-hmm. quite similar. Um, if you are interested in porno chic, um, just watch Deep Throat. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah. Um, watch the films of Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah. A big influence, I feel, on, on John Waters. Mm-hmm. And also watch the films of Russ Meyer. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really mention him uh, previously, but I feel like he was a, a fairly big influence. Oh, definitely. So, or very similar yeah. filmmaker. Uh-huh. Um, Russ Meyer was very much straight sort of filmmaker yeah um very much in, in that americana american culture obsessed with big breasts mm-hmm. obsessed um but watch faster pussycat kill kill yes. so camp so entertaining and you know john waters is a big fan as well so yeah. i highly recommend that so that is Pink Flamingos. If you're a fan of the film or John Waters in general, uh, then let us know on social media. We are Horacult Trash over on Facebook and Instagram and Horacult Trash on Twitter. I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazChris92 on Twitter. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. Uh, give us a rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. If you like what you hear, like a follow on everything else. Give us a rating on Spotify. We have merch out now. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah, if you want a skirt with our faces on. And you can get our faces on many objects on redbubble.com. Type in Horror Trash Ever. And uh, I mean, even just go to the link in our bio on social media. And yeah, you can get either our faces or the logo without our faces on loads of random objects. Stickers, t-shirts, mugs, skirts, coasters. Fucking... Dog mats, laptop cases, everything, everything. Dog leashes, very um, chic. Yeah. The chicest wind chime you've ever... Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, if, if you do get any stuff, then model it and tag us on social media. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, where we'll be discussing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for our original versus remake episode for this month. Mm. And next week, we will be kicking off our Summer Screams month with a month full of films that you guys have chose on the polls on social media. We're starting with Camp Blood. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not as excited as uh, you were for Pink Flamingos? No. No, not quite. <laughs> yeah, we've spoke about... Too many good films. Uh, with this in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm not seeing. Uh, I haven't seen Cowboy I have, yeah. I have. I'm assuming it's shame. But yes, we. Will. <laughs> but in the meantime, we'll be back same time, same place on Friday. Bye. <laughs>